Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 640. Hey, we're very excited to welcome a new radio affiliate to our Talking Birds family. It's North Country 1320 WCVR in beautiful Randolph, Vermont. Beginning today, they're airing Talking Birds live on Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. Welcome, North Country 1320 WCVR to our Talking Birds broadcast. Just as a reminder, if you're in the Boston area... In addition to hearing our show live on Sunday mornings on 950 WROL, you can now also catch the show on 1260 The Buzz in Boston on Saturday mornings at 10. That's 1260 The Buzz in Boston for Talking Birds at 10 on Saturday mornings. Meanwhile, we're thinking of our listeners and everybody down in the Houston, Texas area where they're really just beginning to recover from the ravages of Hurricane Harvey and the unprecedented levels of flooding and destruction that it brought. We've been checking into some good ways to make contributions to help with recovery efforts. And there are many great options, like the Red Cross, for example, by which to contribute to the effort. And we also got a recommendation about a group called the Greater Houston Community Foundation. One of our Talking Birds ambassadors, Kimber Koshik, lives in the Houston area. We're happy to report that she and her family were lucky to remain high and dry during the storm. And we asked her about that foundation that was set up by Houston's mayor, Sylvester Turner. Here's what she said. If Talking Birds listeners would like to make a contribution, they can do so by visiting the Greater Houston Community Foundation website at ghcf.org. So Greater Houston Community Foundation, ghcf.org. She says, we also have many lovely bird sanctuaries along the Texas coast that have been affected by the storm. Donations to either Texas Audubon or Houston Audubon will help with habitat restoration. Finally, she says, listeners can help wildlife injured or displaced during the storm by contributing to the Texas Wildlife Rehabilitation Coalition, where she volunteers, or the Texas Wildlife Center, both located in Houston. And she says, thank you, and I can't wait to receive the cards. Well, that's the Talking Birds ambassador spirit. Many thanks, Kimber. Those cards will be on the way very shortly. By the way, next week we'll talk about how birds have been affected by the hurricane and its aftermath. Now, from another part of Texas, we're very happy to welcome a new Talking Birds ambassador. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Yes, it's El Paso, Texas, home of new ambassador Kevin I Floyd. Kevin says he's looking forward to sharing the show with his local Audubon group. That's Trans Pecos Audubon, covering all that part of Texas west of the Pecos River. Many thanks, Kevin, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And we now proudly welcome our newest new Talking Birds ambassador. That's Matt McKenna in Sudbury, Massachusetts. 
Matt says, I'm a new birder this summer and trying to consume as much bird media as possible to catch up. It's consuming my life. Matt also asked us to mention the beautiful flock of trumpeter swans at Sini National Wildlife Refuge in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. He saw them on a camping trip there a few weeks ago and says they have been on his mind ever since. And Matt also wondered if we could say happy birthday to his grandmother, Mary Lou, whose birthday was just a couple of days ago. Why, yes, yes, we, we could. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mary Lou. Happy birthday. Happy birthday from the entire Talking Birds crew. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Hand out some of our cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the videos and stories on our Facebook page this week. Want to get up close and personal with some penguins? We'll visit our page and we'll connect you to some underwater video of Gentoo penguins down in the Antarctic Ocean. We joined National Public Radio's Scott Simon yesterday morning on NPR's Weekend Edition Saturday topic, Birds in the City. You can hear our four-minute conversation by visiting our Talking Birds Facebook page. How seabirds smell their way home. We'll connect you to a story about that from smithsonian.com. And unquestionably the highlight of our Facebook page this week, something that people all over America and beyond have been waiting to see. We have a video of our tour of Mike O'Connor's Birdwatcher's General Store, escorted by Mike himself. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page. Right now you can also find those stories, except for the Birdwatcher's General Store video. That's an exclusive through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Well, that is the sound of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest, so you'll be ready when we do the actual contest a bit later on in the show. Our mystery bird has a long, pointed reddish crest, a short, rounded, pale bill, and a brown or gray body with red wings and tail. That's the male. Female, mostly buffy gray with less red coloring. Our bird is found in the arid scrublands of the southwestern United States and northern Mexico, where it feeds on seeds and fruits and insects. And we might save one other little clue for later on, but that's our mystery bird preview. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with superstar birder and educator Dr. Kevin McGowan from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology about a strange seabird phenomenon on some New England and New York shore, New England and New York shores. And we'll also find out from Kevin about how we can learn more about shorebirds. Plus, the Birdwatcher store's general, uh, uh, general manager and owner and founder. <laughs> I don't know where I got general manager from, but I guess he is that too. And star of the outstanding Facebook video we have will teach us something about hummingbirds and about when to maybe take down our feeders or not. Also, another Droll Yankees bird feeder and some bird-friendly birds and beans coffee in our mystery bird contest. And up next, the old man of the sea is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend is a seagoing bird of the northern Pacific Ocean. 
The bird bears a name conjuring up images of stories from long ago. It's the ancient merlet. In reality, though, the name carries no literary association. It came instead from a German ornithologist who thought the white plumes on the bird's crown looked like an elderly man's white hair. Hence its Latin name, Antiquus, from which its English name is derived. Natives on Commander Island in the Bering Sea made a similar interpretation about those white plumes. They called the bird Old Man. Widespread throughout the North Pacific, the ancient merlet nests in colonies in burrows or rock crevices. The adults don't feed their chicks until the chicks emerge from their burrows and splash into the ocean, finding their parents by their individual voices among huge floating flocks of other individuals of their species. The ancient merlet is the only seabird that raises its young entirely at sea. It's a small, plump water bird with a black face and crown, gray upper parts, white on the crown and neck and side of the neck and under parts, and a short, pale yellow bill. Immature birds resemble non-breeding adults with few or none of those white feathers on the crown and a darker bill. The old man of the sea, the ancient merlet, Synthiliberomphus antiquus. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show, number 640. As always, we invite you to visit our website, TalkingBirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Well, it's shorebird season right about now. We're going to talk a bit about shorebirds this morning and about seabirds that have been coming to shore here in some places on the East Coast. And to help us with that, we're calling on our friend Dr. Kevin McGowan from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology in Ithaca, New York. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Great to have you back with us again, Kevin. I know you're in charge of a terrific course that's available online about identifying and learning about shorebirds, and I'd like to ask you more about that in a couple of minutes. But first... I want to ask you about what seems to be a pretty unusual phenomenon. Seabirds, specifically great shearwaters, abandoning uh, their usual offshore grounds and coming in very close to or even on the shore. How unusual is this, Kevin? And do we have any idea what's going on here? Well, it's it's fairly unusual. I mean, great shearwaters are an interesting bird that spends pretty much all its life out in the ocean. And uh, so... We don't know a whole lot about their day-to-day life, but uh, typically you have to go pretty far offshore to some of the warmer surface temperatures to find them. Mm-hmm. And right now, I was just told by uh, my son took a pelagic trip off of Long Island last week, and he said all the shearwaters were close to shore. They didn't see anything once they got out to the normal places. That they, they had uh, a lot of, of storm petrels of four different types, and... Uh, black cap petrels, but uh, shearwaters that normally were, that's where you'd find them, they were, they'd already passed them a, a couple of hours before. Hmm. Well, speaking of different types, there are other shearwater species as well. Why, why is it, uh, or is it just great shearwaters that this seems to be uh, happening to? Well, right now it does seem to be the great shearwater. There, as you say, there are a couple of other ones. Cory shearwater is another one that uh, um, my son's trip had in small numbers. Typically we get them pretty good numbers, but they were in the sort of normal spots. Um, so we don't really know 
exactly what it is that the great shearwaters are after. I mean, they, they turned up in June uh, in these inshore waters, which was a sort of a surprise. Th- these guys are funny birds. They breed in the very far south Atlantic, almost into the Antarctic zones, uh, way off uh, off the the east coast of of Argentina. And then what they do is they, they breed in these big colonies on a few islands, and then all of those birds move up the the east coast of, of South America and then cross the tropical doldrums, the deserty areas, for birds to come up to uh, off Massachusetts to spend their winter, our summer, because there's usually so much food there. Uh, and they were coming in a bit close to shore, and then people were finding a lot of dead ones. And there was a lot of speculation. I haven't actually seen any of the necropsies, so I don't know what the, the data are on the dead birds, but uh, there was some speculation that there wasn't enough food in the South Atlantic that they that they needed before they they crossed the tropics. The tropics are really not very good, uh, very productive waters. But And so people were thinking, oh, well, maybe they got, you know, they're in bad condition when they got up here and then they were dying. But it seems to me uh, the fact that the birds are closer into shore accounts for the fact that we find them dying. I mean, there are lots and lots of seabirds that die every year, but when they're miles offshore, we don't typically find them. But these, these close-in ones, uh, do wash up on the beach, and the, so the mortality itself might just be a factor of the fact that the birds are closer, mm-hmm. where we can find the dead ones more. Yeah, and what they're having different a different diet, are they not in close to shore with menhaden instead of other? Yeah, I, I haven't heard. I, I did hear something about there being some, um, uh, yeah, bigger runs of of uh, maybe it's menhaden. I, I'm I'm fairly landlocked here. I don't I don't uh, I'm not up on all of my my coastal fish that well but yeah so it may be that they're actually following a uh, a particular food source that's different than from other years and for good or for bad i don't know maybe it is maybe it's a a big productive thing and they're doing fairly well uh or not i mean it seems like they're by this time as i say they started turning up in june um, they should they should have uh, been able to get wherever they were going in the in in the summer, so it sounds like they they found something they like and they're sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to say there'd be a lot learned from these things happening right now. <laughs> There's always a lot to learn, <laughs> and yeah, as the the currents and things seem to be getting a little trickier to predict what's going to happen in the you know in our our waters off the the east coast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I expect to see different stories popping up every few years that you know, we get used to a, a particular pattern and think we know everything and then something different happens and we don't know why and <laughs> we have to go track down those answers. Well, let's talk about the online shorebird uh, course. Kevin is part of Cornell's Bird Academy. Shorebirds, beautiful and fascinating in their behavior, but kind of bewildering in their variety. Now, how do you clarify all that for your students in the course? Uh, well, um, yeah, what a... The, the Shorebird ID series I put together several years ago, a, a five-part, five-hour uh, identification series uh, that we did as live webinars. And we uh, have made the recordings from the last series of those five webinars available for people to purchase as a package. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, you got to be serious. It's five hours five hours talking about shorebirds. So if you don't want to do that, <laughs> but you don't um, have to do it all just at watch once, the first right? one or so. But the the thing that I try to do in all of my identification series, and it's really true with shorebirds, is I try to the very first session kind of break it down and say, okay, here's here's the sort of diversity to expect. 
here are the things to pay attention to, and I try to pick out the key elements for uh, identifying that particular group. And for shorebirds, it's all about uh, size, shape, and behavior. Mm-hmm. That if you you don't need to look at a mark, you don't need to look at a, a spot. You can identify most of the shorebirds just by looking at how what they what they're shaped like and how they forage. Just not to scare folks away, though, people people can watch this at their own pace and and repeat as needed. Right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's it's uh, we've we've combined the the five webinars. They were about we're thirteen dollars a piece now. The the whole thing is twenty nine ninety nine for the whole lump. And you yeah, you have as much time to go through it as you want. We have handouts that you can download to take notes and a few other helpful things like that on the on the pages. So yeah, it's. Uh, it's you can start off slowly that's what i say i always have uh, i have a tips my three tips for beginners one is identify one bird at a time don't be worried about seeing a beach full of shorebirds just pick one and try to identify it and number two is that there are too many birds in the world to recognize them all so break them down to groups and so i break the shorebirds down into five different subgroups to think about okay i'm, I'm thinking about peeps I don't need to be worried about the plovers right now. So, and then the three, my third tip is uh, always look for at least three points for identification. Never get get hung up on mm-hmm. on one characteristic. Look, always look to see what else it has. Easiest and those way things for, yep. that people have said, yeah, it's just okay. It makes me calmer. I know I want how to how to go to the beach and not worry about mm-hmm. uh, getting overwhelmed. And the idea to watch behavior is super important for this group of uh, the the birds are some of the things like the the big pretty plovers black-bellied plover and things they're changing their plumages and they go from being beautiful and and patterned to gray and, and nothing and and we get them with everything in between and that's like forget that don't worry about that don't worry if it has wing bars look to see if it's if it's running around and grabbing things and standing still or whether it's probing deep in the mud in a in a constant fashion um, those are the things to to look for. I mean, you can identify all of these shorebirds in the dusk if you have to, because you can see shape and behavior just as easily then as you can in the bright sunshine. So it's a lot of tips for that. And we go through all of the common shorebirds in North America one by one to uh, to talk about which uh, and what is the most important thing to notice for this one. I do comparisons of how to tell the the two yellow legs apart and. Mm. how to distinguish uh, black-bellied and golden plovers and things like that, too. Quickly, Kevin, the easiest way for folks to find the course? Google Bird Academy course, and it'll pop up. You go to uh, Cornell Labs Bird Academy in the courses section, and it'll be the first one on the page. Dr. Kevin McGowan, professional ornithologist at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and, among other things, creator of the popular Be a Better Birder series of courses and live webinars. Kevin, thanks so much. Thank you, Ray. Coming up here is our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Brian, and I live outside of Albany, New York. I became an ambassador because birds are vital to us, whether people know it or not. And it's important that we do what we can to get the word out there about the importance of not only birds, but nature in general. 
Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. It's our Mystery Bird Contest, and you are eligible to participate, as long as you haven't been a winner here in six months on Talking Birds. Our number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Our prize is the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Everybody loves this feeder. It attaches right to your kitchen window or wherever you'd like to attach it. You can see the birds up close and personal. 781-837-4900 is the number. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. Our bird has a long, pointed, reddish crest, a short, round, pale bill, and a brown or gray body with red wings and tails. A tail, just one tail. That's the male. Female, mostly buffy gray, less red coloring. Our bird is found in the arid scrublands of the southwestern United States and northern Mexico, where it feeds on seeds and fruits and insects. That's our mystery bird. What is it? 781-837-4900. No correct answer means a drawing will determine the winner, so take your guess or tell us what it is. Meanwhile, hummingbirds is the topic with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. Your trash can is full of recyclables? No, it's full of trash. You say trash, Maria. I say rubbish. Whatever it is, I'm not going through it. I I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. By the way, forgot to mention, we also have a bonus prize in our Mystery Bird Contest again this morning. A big bag of birds and beans, bird-friendly shade-grown coffee. Now down to the Bird Watchers General Store in Cape Cod to meet the star that newly posted Talking Birds Facebook video of the Bird Watchers General Store itself, Mr. Mike O'Connor. Good morning, Mike. You know, I, I thought I was on earlier because I, I had the radio on. I heard you talking about the old man in the sea, and I came running. I thought it was my turn. But you were talking about a different old man from the sea, so I I'm okay. I thought it was now. my turn. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we, we hope people watch that video. We, sh- we need to point out that um, our videographer had a problem with her video machine, so... We we the thing is kind of chopped off, and we had a brilliant ending. Oh, the video, the, yeah, the, it, it, yeah, it came out. You, yeah, it came out okay, I guess. But yeah, and then it ended. So, um, the, so people can call me up, and I can tell, I can ad lib the ending. For, oh, if they want to know how it worked. Great idea. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's live. It's worth <laughs> live it's, endings. It's worth uh, getting for sure. But we're Speaking talking of endings, yeah. Ray. Yes, it's Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, everybody. And this is traditionally when everybody goes back to school and vacations are over and people start, at least in my part of the world, start migrating back to other parts of eastern part of the United States and our area. Cape Cod gets a little bit quiet. But there's also a migration going on with the hummingbirds. Well, 
just about all the birds, actually. But the hummingbirds are migrating, and um, I'm talking about the ruby-throated hummingbirds, which we are more familiar with here in the east. And people start to wonder um, when they should start taking their hummingbird feeders down. Apparently, there's a myth afoot somewhere in the world that uh, feeders tend to keep birds from migrating. And so everybody seems to ask me about that, which, rest assured, that's not an issue. Birds migrate because they know the bad weather's coming. There's a change of daylight, change of angle of the sun, and the birds have to get out of here because they know winter's coming. And they leave food. When birds migrate, they leave a substantial amount of food behind. So it's not food that keeps them, but it's the innate knowledge that winter is coming. So they have to, they'll push out. So if you've got a hummingbird feeder out, and they should be very active now. A lot of people were having trouble getting hummingbirds in June when the birds were busy nesting. But now everybody's had families. There's more hummingbirds than, than ever. Um, the, a lot of the males have already left. Everybody seems to question, like, I only get... A, Females wear the bright ruby throats. Well, a lot of the young birds, uh, we have a lot more young birds now, and they don't have their ruby throat yet. So probably, I don't I pick a number, 80% of the birds that we're going to be seeing are going to have that female look with their male or female. Um, but the, a lot of the bright-throated males have already moved on. They've already started heading south because the, the, the males really don't do much uh, of they don't do any child rearing after they mate with the female they're pretty much done so they can get out of here fast but the female had to tend to the kids and pretty soon the females will be pushing out and the the young birds will be last to go so early september is going to be an active month at your hummingbird feeder so keep those going and towards the end of the month it'll start to get quieter but um it's up to you some people will keep their feeders going a little bit longer for a few stragglers here and there um but if you do that don't get into the habit of like just leaving it and forgetting it. Make sure you kind of maintain it and keep it clean the same way. And perhaps you'll get a straggler, maybe a rufous hummingbird, or an odd lost hummingbird will show up. Mm-hmm. All right, but, but in terms of the weather, that doesn't apply to Cape Cod because the sunshine there all the time, right? So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't even have winter here. I forgot to mention. <laughs> glad we cleared that up. Uh, thank you, Mike. All right, talk to you next week. Talk to you again soon, Mike O'Connor, down there at the Bird Watchers General Store. We're back at the Mystery Bird contest this is not a hummingbird but it is our mystery bird um a long pointed reddish crest short rounded pale bill brown or gray body with red wings and tail that's the male female mostly buffy gray with less red coloring what is it 781-837-4900 is the number we have a beautiful droll yankees observer uh window feeder as our prize this morning 781-837-4900 4900 is the number, and I believe we have Adam in Vancouver. I believe that would be British Columbia. Let's find out if that is uh, correct. Could be Vancouver, Massachusetts, a place I don't know about, but we'll see. Good morning, Adam. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Adam. And that is, am I right, Vancouver, British Columbia? Yes, that is right. Wonderful. Let's see. You're pretty uh, early out there. You must be in Pacific time, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's uh, six fifty-seven now. It's pretty early. We're going to go birding soon, so. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, thanks for calling us. How did you find our show, by the way? Uh, we found it through the bird bird watching magazine. Oh, wonderful. They're our new wonderful partner, Bird Watching Magazine. Well, that's terrific. So we're here on the Mystery Bird uh, Contest, Adam, and you heard uh, the clues there and heard the sound of the bird, and that bird is what? Uh, I'm guessing it's uh, Perloxia. Yes, and you even pronounced it uh, correctly, I believe, as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a tough bird to pronounce. It is, yeah. Sometimes called the desert cardinal. 
Uh, we were going to have that as a kind of a um, bonus uh, clue there. But we, we don't have time for a bonus question, but we'd like to uh, award you the bonus question prize as well, if that's okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We're going to send you a big bag of bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. Wow, thanks so much. You're welcome. And you're heading out birding. What are you specifically going to be looking for today? Uh, we're going to head down to the States. Uh, there's a Code 5 rarity right now. It's a swallowtailed gull. Swallowtailed gull. All right, down, down across the border. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. And if you get a chance, let us know if you find it. Sorry? Uh, let us know if you find that bird if you get a chance. Send us a note. Yeah, sure. All right. Thank you, Adam. Congratulations. Thanks. I think Adam was maybe listening on the on the radio there. We had a little delay action going on. Uh, but we can't delay now because our show has run out of time for this morning. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you again will visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. And by the way, sign up for our newsletter. Right at the top of our, our uh, webpage, you'll see a little indication there to sign up for our electronic newsletter. It's free. We publish it every few weeks. So we hope you'll check it out. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.